Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Thanks, team. You've led us wonderfully this morning. Uh, really appreciate the gifts and the talents that God has given to each of you. Our, our theme for the whole year is embracing the kingdom of God. And that's a, a topic which is discussed or preached many times. However, I have come to this place myself personally that as we've looked at this in more detail, uh, that it's opened up my mind to some things that I haven't thought through fully. And so this morning, we, we're going to start a new aspect of our series. For the first five or six weeks, uh, we did an overview. Uh, and this is one of the advantages of doing a series. You can repeat yourself, uh, which I have no trouble doing. But just to catch up with last week where we left off and this overall understanding, uh, God wanted his presence to be represented on earth. So he created Adam and Eve. And in that state, they were able to represent or be the nature of God on earth. So it was heaven on earth. There was a Garden of Eden living where everything was good. In fact, it was very, very good. Uh, everything was just perfect. It was just a great place. But unfortunately, uh, through Adam uh, and through his turning away from God, paradise was lost. In Genesis, we see the need for Jesus. In Genesis, we see how paradise was lost. Because that, that idea of God's kingdom operating on earth, uh, representing God, was lost. And so God sent his second Adam. He sent his son Jesus. And the reason that Jesus came was to restore not only us, and we talked about this, sometimes we think Jesus just came to set us free and forgive our sin. That's important. But he just didn't come to restore us to him. He came to restore his kingdom. That was really important to him. That was his whole purpose in the first place. So when he gives us new life in Jesus, it's not just to say I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. He actually has restored us so that he could restore his kingdom. And so through Jesus, there was a spiritual revolution where Jesus broke in on this present evil age and set up God's kingdom. So God's kingdom is now, but it's not yet. So it's operating when Jesus came, in came God's kingdom, but it's operating in this present evil age. And so we have this tension and we all feel it and we all know it, that we're operating God's kingdom in this present evil age. But what has happened is he's restored his kingdom. He's also restored to us this opportunity to have Garden of Eden living. We can return to that place, rejoin with him where we can be like Adam and Eve first were in the Garden of Eden. Now, it's not as good. We've lost uh, immortality or in a sense. But in respect, we can have that relationship with God uh, where the kingdom is restored. And so we talked last week, and, and this is significant. I don't need an excuse to repeat myself, but this is really important. Our purpose right now... For the church, for Christians, our purpose today is to usher in God's kingdom in the midst of this present evil age. That's our purpose. That's what we should be doing. That's what we're called to do. Now, I have to be honest, I haven't really thought about it as specifically as that, 
nor have I come to that place where I realise that of all the other good purposes, this is the main one. You and I are here today, we're left here, we're not in heaven. If our faith is in Christ, we're not in heaven because what did God want to do? He wanted to restore us to the Father, but he wanted to restore the kingdom. And if you and I are not thinking about restoring the kingdom, we don't understand God's heart. And I I want to put the challenge out there because I know this comes from a personal place as well. I haven't always thought as clearly and as succinctly as that, that our purpose is to re-establish God's kingdom. That's what we're here for, to re-establish his rule and his reign in the midst of this present evil age. And last week we talked about, we looked at the Lord's Prayer. We came back to what we have all said, some of us kids at school, not at school so much these days, but we've said it a million times, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we talked about this fact that that's so easy to say, it just comes straight off our tongues, but we're a part of that. Do you know, whenever we pray, we should always ask ourselves, well, am I part of the answer? You know, oh, God, help me to find new friends. Well, am I part of that answer? God, make the church, you know, help Pastor Paul preach better. Well, you're part of the answer. Pray for me. (laughs) I need God's help. So often when we pray, we're a part of the answer. I have very rarely thought when I prayed, your kingdom come on earth as is in heaven, I never thought I'm a part of that answer. Somehow I thought, oh, God was just going to do it. Didn't really need me. (laughs) But this morning or over the last few weeks, we've looked at his plan. We looked how Adam and Eve messed it up. We looked how the second Jesus came along and we looked at our purpose last week, which is to usher in the kingdom of God. George Schultz was the Secretary of State while uh, Ronald Reagan was in power. That would have been an interesting time, I'm sure. Uh, But whenever they sent out a new ambassador to another country, uh, George Schultz would get them into his office and he would ask them uh, where was their responsibility. And often they'd go over, he'd have a globe in his office and they'd spin the globe, they'd find the country they're going to and they'd point to it. And he'd go, fair enough. Well, when the ambassador for Japan came along, he was the only one that had it worked out. Because when he asked him to put his finger on the country that he's responsible for, he found the United States and put his finger on that. My responsibility is to my country and my people. I go as an ambassador, but I'm representing my country. Paul said, and we are, we are ambassadors for God. <laughs> we are ambassadors for him. And so in that sense, we are representing God. That's our purpose. Our responsibility is to him to represent him. So whether we're at school, whether we're 12 or we're 20 and we're at uni or we're 30 with young families, I keep going, I'm going to get myself into trouble here, whether you're 40 and in the prime of life, if you're 50 and you're like me, you start to break down and if you're over that, well, it doesn't really matter. No, I'm sorry. (laughs) Regardless of our age. Regardless of where we are, whether we're at primary school, high school, university or retired, this is our purpose. This is it. We have to understand it. Because we'll look at things later on, but it all hinges on this. If we don't get this, we don't get anything. Our purpose is to re-establish the kingdom of God wherever we are. And in a real way, we are his ambassadors. 
we are his ambassadors. And so today, we start a six-week series where we're going to look at personal characteristics of a person who's ushering in the kingdom of God. What does our life have to look like if we're going to bring heaven down to earth? What does our life look like if we're actually going to represent God? What are the characteristics of someone who's an ambassador for God? And the thing that we're looking at this morning, uh, I suppose, is how we pray or prayer. And so once we accept our purpose is to usher in God's kingdom, that immediately flows over in dependence on prayer. Why? Well, when you say to me, Paul, you represent God, two things come to my head and I'm ushering the kingdom. My first thought is the world's too far gone. <laughs> we'll never get it back. Now, I have to be careful here because there's an aspect of Jesus' return and end times where I don't know whether it will get better. So, so don't try and... I'm not try, all I'm saying is my first thought is why bother, in other words. This world is so bad. Why should I bring heaven on earth? Jesus just needs to come and fix it all up. The second thought I have as a problem that causes anxiety is if I'm to represent God, <laughs> I feel a little inadequate in that way. <laughs> I feel a little short of the mark, I sort of know what I'm like, you see the best of me, I know the worst of me, and so I'm thinking, I'm to represent God? Paul said, be imitators of God. I thought, are you crazy? How can I do that? So the two concerns, if I'm going to usher in the kingdom of God, is the world's too bad a place, the second is I'm not up to it, I'm not up to the task. And so prayer is the means by which we have an understanding of those things. Paul said, pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. And so he was someone that was going to represent God. He was under, coming to that place where he realized those things. When we understand our purpose... When we understand that we are to represent God and we are to usher in his kingdom, whether we're a policeman or a solicitor or a teacher or a mother or whatever we do, if our purpose is to bring heaven to earth, usher in his kingdom, then it will change the way that we pray. Not only that we should pray, that's a given, but it will change the way that we pray. The passage I want to look at this morning, and yes, that's just the introduction, sorry. <laughs> Our passage this morning is from Ephesians 2. This is Paul praying for those at Ephesus. For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. But what does he want for them? I keep asking... That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And why Paul is praying for those at Ephesus is this. He understands they don't have a long intent intention span in other words like us they're easily distracted and so he wants God's power and, and his access to prayer to be something where we don't pray for our needs but we pray for God's wisdom and revelation and insight see life is difficult life is very challenging I don't know about you but I find it hard at times 
And I happily say, Jesus, come back today. That would save that problem. Don't have to pay the rates. <laughs> so there's this sense where we are dependent on God because life is tough. However, it is our natural instinct to see prayer as the means of meeting our needs with our wish list and the things that we want God to do. There's nothing wrong with that because I have found God has always interested my needs and he's always wanting to help me. However, when Adam came and introduced self-centeredness and selfishness, it flows over into our prayer life. And instinctively, if we haven't got our minds focused, prayer can just be, it is, but it can just be wishless stuff. Help me with this. Fix this. I want this sorted out. And when we pray we want heaven on earth, what we're praying is we want heaven on earth for my life. I want everything to be right, everything to be working, everything to be pleasant. I don't want any pain. I don't want any hardship. I want heaven on earth. There's nothing wrong with sharing your needs to God, but I can suggest to you, I hope, primarily our needs dominate our prayer life. It's instinctive, it's normal, it's natural, but it's pro there's a problem. <laughs> it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And see, so it all comes back because if we understand the most important thing is that we usher in God's kingdom, that we bring heaven down to earth, that we see God's rule and reign, if that's the most important thing, if that's our purpose, then our prayer life will be linked around that. When was the last time you woke up and prayed, God, help me to usher in your kingdom? Well, I've got one up on you because I've been thinking about this for a while, so I've said it just recently, but... <laughs> Prior to that, it wasn't the dominant thing that in my prayer life, God, help me to usher in your kingdom. It just wasn't there. Why? Because I wasn't even thinking about it. Prayer is instinctively our wish list, our needs. And although God's happy to do that, he would love us to pray, empower me to bring in your kingdom. Now, when our kids were little, they had little Thomas the Tank Engine set, you know, little plastic ones uh, and that controller guy who you can't call his name and all those things. Um, what happened was with the little Thomas the Tank Engine set, bits broke and that, so we had to buy a new set, a modern set, and sort of stick it all together. But there's only one problem. They sort of go together, but they sort of don't, so that it doesn't integrate well. So the train's always getting stuck or it's always going off the track. So the only way to work with this train set is to be there and to focus and to watch it. When it gets stuck, you help it, or when it goes off the track, you put it back on the track. You just can't have it running and leave the kids there for two days and go do something else. You need to be always focused on this train set because it only goes for 10 seconds and you've got to push it or fix it or something. And this is why Paul is praying for those at Ephesus. He says, I love you guys. I heard great things about you. But he constantly praying, he's praying and praying, I want you to have God's wisdom and revelation. I want the eyes of your heart to be focused. Why? Because he knows we're easily distracted. So this will sound like a good idea to you. We're going to bring in the kingdom, yay. It will sound like a wonderful thing and you're all for it. But I can tell you that it's going to just go out of our head in a week or two unless something takes place where we seek God's wisdom and revelation and where we're focused. So without focus, we'll never get to the place where we'll, this will dominate our thinking. We'll never get to that place, I suppose, where we're in touch with him. Now, I live in an area in Redland Bay, and some of you do as well, where the internet is hopeless. 
And so it's sort of, it's there sometimes and it's not, it cuts in and out. And I need to confess, this is confession time, I get really cranky sometimes. Because it's one of those things, I know for years we live without the internet, us dinosaurs, we know what it's like. But when it's there and it's not, when there's no connection, really painful. It doesn't help happen too much these days. Uh, I don't want to be political, but a certain premier many years ago sorted this out. And we don't often have power strikes anymore. (laughs) But when there's a storm or something like that, there's nothing worse than losing connection with electricity or the grid. Now, I know it's first world problems, but if the air conditioner's not working and we just got to sit in the dark looking at each other with candles, you know, not the greatest thing sometimes. <laughs> so that connection, whether it's the internet or the, the, you know, our life is based on connection with things, enjoying things, having this connection. And prayer is the means by which we have connection with God. But it's not just praying for any old thing. It's this connection that keeps us on track where every day we are praying, God, help me to bring in your kingdom. We take seriously thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's not just about praying, but it's praying that we pray for the right things, if that makes sense. How does that take place? Well, he prayed for the eyes of their heart to be enlightened. I have come to realize that God can put things in my head. There's plenty of room in there. He can put ideas in my head, but they never last too long. If it's just an idea within two or three, it's gone. If I want to have a change of life, it has to not only be in my head, but it has to be something I take hold with my heart. Otherwise, it just loses. And this is consistent for the life of the church and Christians everywhere. God speaks to us. We get a great idea. We say, yes, that's good. I'm really open to that. But we look back in three months and we thought, where did that go? That really never turned into anything. (laughs) And and the reason that it never turned into anything, because it never took hold of our hearts. So right now we say, oh, this is a great idea. Let's usher in the kingdom of God, bring heaven down to earth until he returns again. But I can assure you that it won't mean anything in two or three weeks unless it touches our heart. So somehow here, I'm busily praying in my side, my spirit, God needs to speak to you. This isn't just a nice little message or a sermon, but unless God's spirit opens the eyes of your heart and you commit to it, this isn't going to have any longevity at all. It's opening the eyes of our heart is the most important. So that's why Paul prays, I want the eyes of your heart to be opened. Why? So that we can be in sync with God. Now, I want to tell you something about a study. I don't know this is true, but they talk about behavioral synchrony. And this means when you walk beside your partner, you naturally step, have a tendency to synchronize your steps. They say that if you're speaking with a really close friend, that you'll sort of take on the same body posture. They call it behavioral synchrony, but there's something more. There's something called uh, interpersonal synchronization. And this is what takes up that we sync up a physiology, in a sense, with our physiology. So there's a sense where if you and I are watching the same movie, then our bodies get in sync. Bit crazy, hey? But they say that if two uh, people, two people in love were to look into each other's eyes, then their hearts sync together. Good, hey? So that's called interpersonal synchronization. But what this leads to is a study of people. So there's a new role for fathers in childbirth. 
For those of us who are too old, that's good, but for those who are coming up, please listen. They have found out, now mothers may not agree with this, but they found a difference to pain levels to whether the husband's holding their hand or not. Do you believe it? I mentioned this last Sunday night and the lady up the front here nearly chased me around the whole stage. <laughs> Didn't make any difference to her, evidently. <laughs> the pain was still great. But what they've worked out is that a couple, and this is a study, and who, who do you believe? Rowan, who do you believe? Fake news, i got no idea. But they say... They did a study of the couples in the labour theatre thing, Doobie. Um, and, when, and when they were together, the pain levels actually went down when the husband grabbed hold of his wife's hand. Thank you. So you young guys, go for it. What's all this about? <laughs> this idea of synchronisation, this idea of having the same heartbeat... This idea of walking in the same synchronized steps, whatever you want to call it, I don't know if it's true, but we need it for prayer. Because prayer is the thing that synchronizes my heart with God's. Why do we pray? Why do you pray? Well, I've got a sneaking suspicion most of us pray because we've got a list of things we'd like God to do something about. But do you know, we don't inform God about anything he already knows. We don't give God any answers because he already has the answer. We don't have to pray to him so he knows our needs because he already cares. So if prayer's not for any of those things, what's prayer for? Prayer is for your heart and my heart to be synced with God's. When we pray and when we pray your will be done on earth as in heaven, we are saying, God, I want my heart to be in step with yours. So how can we know whether our heart is in step with God's? Analyse our prayer life. <laughs> are we praying and what are we praying for? Because we could be praying, but we could be praying out of duty or we could be praying for our wish list or fix this or do that, which is all important. But when our heart is right with God, do you know what happens to our prayer life? We pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and I'm part of the answer. I'm part of the answer of bringing heaven to earth. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Now, I need this. You see, when I think about representing God and I break it down, if I'm to represent the nature of God, that means I need to be humble and gracious. I need to love, accept and forgive. I need to be gentle and generous. I need to show mercy and grace. I need to live sacrificially. I need to offer a glass of water to my enemies. If I'm to take on the nature of God, then I am totally, completely dependent on prayer to be in sync because I can't do that. I will fall hopelessly short representing God in my own strength. Those things are rarely evident in me. They aren't. I know them in their head, but they're not that obvious in me, in my own strength. Because I have this instinctiveness to go back to self and selfishness because of the first Adam. And because the kingdom's now and not yet, and I'm not fully complete. My instinct is to go back to the first Adam to be selfish. So to represent God, to represent his character and his nature, I am totally dependent on a connection with God. I need to be in sync for him. 
And that's what Paul prays. I keep asking, I keep asking, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. (laughs) My heart needs to be aligned with God's. Why? Because his economy is totally different from the world's, totally. Turns it upside down. Nothing that the world says is important is important to God, in a sense, directly. (laughs) I need his priorities, his purposes, I need to be in sync with his heart. And that's what Paul wants for those at Ephesus. I want you to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. How do we make choices? Well, we make choices normally according to our circumstances. Our circumstances often determine our choice. So if I'm driving the car and I'm really, really hungry that experience will mean I'll make a choice. I'll stop off and get something to eat. If it's a pie or a hamburger or anything greasy, guys, I've found it's really important that you take the wrappers out of the car and put it in the bin. Because otherwise, there are wives who go inspecting for the wrappers (laughs) and see what you've been eating on the side. (laughs) So if I'm hungry, I choose to eat. So our circumstances determine our choices. In Oklahoma, there are many, many tornadoes. So one of the new building estates in Oklahoma decided that they would offer for about 5,000 US to build an additional room, which meant would be tornado-proof. It'd be especially strong so the wind wouldn't blow it either. Uh, Tim will build them for you for 10 Australian thousand, so just do that. Anyway, they found when it came to building that 90% of the people took up the offer, 9 out of 10. Well, like any good business, they wanted to know about the other 10%. What's going on here? Why does We live in Oklahoma, there's tornadoes. Why doesn't everyone want to buy this new room? So they found an example of one of these who didn't accept it, and it was a couple in their late 80s. And they went for the hot spa tub instead. <laughs> they went for that option. Why? Because when you're in your late 80s, you're not worried about tornadoes, you're worried about comfort. And so your circumstances decide the choices you make. You think about it. The choices you make are totally determined to your circumstances. If you're a young family and you have young kids, your whole choice is about education and schooling. and Whatever our circumstances determines the choice we make. So what is our circumstance universally? What's important to all of us as God's children? Our circumstance is this, we are all in it together to usher in the kingdom of God in the midst of this present evil age. And that should determine the choices we make. That's why we need his wisdom and that's why we need his revelation so that we can come to this place where we pray sincerely and generally that the spirit of God would so work in you and me that I would bring heaven to earth. Jesus didn't come just to save me, although that's terribly important, but he came to restore me so that I'm empowered to have his spirit so that I could represent him. You are his ambassadors. That's why Jesus came. You had to be saved, but you also had to be empowered. You are his ambassadors. You are responsible to him. And once we get that, I can assure you that our prayer life will change totally, completely. Because the most important thing to us, because of our circumstances, is to choose, 
I'm taking up my responsibility to represent God and I know I can't do it myself, so we're dependent on God and his power and his spirit. I want to finish with one really good thought. I hope they're all good thoughts, but a bit of a rousing thought. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the liches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. This is incredible. You're a saint. It's even more incredible that I'm a saint. You know, this is a wonderful thing. As God's children, we're going to be a part of the greatest and the biggest thing that has ever happened in world history. So God's kingdom is now, and we're bringing it in, but it's not yet. There's a day coming when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to restore us and his kingdom completely. Now, I don't know about you, but that's the most exciting thing that I can think about, and we're part of it. You know, many years ago, and we do it a little bit at times now, but not in the same... We used to have Project Lift, and we need to probably get back to that. I know it's happening in small ways, but the whole church, or a good number of the church, would come together and give a whole Saturday to mowing someone's lawn or fixing their stairs or painting someone's house. Now, I'm normally pretty selfish, as I've said to you, and Saturdays are pretty, you know, a bit of work, a bit of play, a bit of work. But I can remember always, this is just me, oh, project lift on today, I'd rather stay in bed. <laughs> but when I got here and we spent the whole day together working on someone's house, I thought, how good is that? That is the bestest life, that was so good. If we're building our own kingdom, which is here today and gone tomorrow, and if that's our, that's our focus, we're missing out on all this anticipation and all this excitement of what's going to come when Jesus breaks through the crowds and brings in his kingdom. And you know, the biggest event in all history, no one will be able to describe it, it will be euphoric. We will not be able to control ourselves. It'll be an amazing thing, Jesus coming back, bringing in his kingdom. And we're a part of it. So we can wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to build my kingdom. I'm going to do these things. Here today, gone tomorrow. Who cares? No one will. Or we can wake up in the morning and we can pray, I want to be a part of ushering in God's kingdom. I want his power of his spirit to give me wisdom and revelation so I'm ambassador for him. I represent him. At school, at home or at work, I'm bringing heaven to earth. I take seriously this idea that I'm going to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's going to be my life and I'm going to be a part of that. And you know what? When the clouds break open and Jesus comes back, I'm going to go, yay, I'm a part of something much bigger than myself. I'm a part of something that's going to change history for eternity. I'm going to be a part of something that is amazing and incredible. And God chose me. What a privilege to be a part of this. So my challenge to you today is, well, do you pray? Now, you don't want to be gilded like this. I think over the years, church has sort of said, prayers, lock yourself in a cupboard. I know there's a biblical reference, but prayer is just talking to God, constantly and continually. Take time special, but talk to him while you're driving with your eyes open. You just talk and communicate. So first, yes, you have to be connected to God, but this is a challenge. What are you praying for? Because predominantly, my selfish, self-centered nature, I have a prayer list and I say, God, fix all these things. Do this, make this right. And that's fine. He wants to hear those things. But this is it. When we understand our purpose is to usher in the kingdom and we take that responsibility and we realize I can't do that on my own, we are totally dependent on prayer and we're praying, God, what a privilege, but I want to be a part of ushering in your kingdom. I want to be a part of that at work at the golf club, at school, at the pub, caravanning, whatever we do, golfing, cricketing, whatever 
sewing, <laughs> wherever it is. See, this is why Sunday is not that important. I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> and it's really important that we come together so that we know that we're a part of something bigger and we're coming together. But this is all about Monday to Saturday. This is about ushering into God's kingdom. And this isn't popular because church is about bums on seats. And today it's, it's all, let's get as many people here on Sunday as we can and say how big we are. Now, I'm like everyone else. I like that you're here. It would be really bad just talking to Kath about this because she'd be here. <laughs> but it's not preached because it's not popular because it's about God's kingdom and not some other kingdom. So I encourage you, you need to be here on Sunday. Please keep coming. Come back if you're online. We need you to be here. Why? Because we need to understand we're part of something bigger. Each of us are representing God and ushering in his kingdom all over the place. But it starts with this understanding. What is my purpose? Once we understand our purpose is to usher into the kingdom, I can guarantee it will change our prayer life. Would you join with me each day to pray, God, give me real wisdom and revelation and power so that I can represent you, so I can bring heaven down to earth in the midst of this present evil age because it's really evil. And I know it's not complete until you come back, but I want to be a part of the work you're doing. Help me to usher in your kingdom. Would you join with me as we pray that every day? It'll change our life. Let's pray. Father God, this is this little bit that happens where it's in our heads now and we're just deciding what we're going to do with it. Now the evil one's already started. He said, you're not up to it. The world's too far gone. Just forget it. Just do what you're doing. You don't need to worry about this stuff. <laughs> or we can actually say, God, you know what? I don't understand it fully, but I'm willing to take steps of faith to understanding what it means to usher into your kingdom. I'm willing to let go of my own kingdom and I'm willing to invest in yours I'm willing to take that responsibility I know I need your wisdom and revelation that's why I pray open the eyes of my heart to your spirit but it needs to go from our head to our heart and that's the response I'm going to ask would you be willing to say I'm going to start taking steps towards this I'm going to start genuinely with focus thinking about reflecting upon what does that mean for me to usher into God's kingdom has it changed my priorities and my principles? Father God, you know how easily I'm distracted. You know how selfish I can be. You know how really good I am at justifying anything and turning things around to make it sound good or to make it sound right. But that's why I'm here. And all those years as a young boy at uh, Maribor West State School, every Friday praying the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I never really thought just how important that was. So Father God, as we leave this place, it's been great to be together and God, it's really important that we gather. You told us a million times, don't forsake giving. If, if you're watching online and you haven't come back to church, you need to be here. Something takes place here, not because of me, but something takes place here that's really special. Father God, I pray that I would be available to you in all the things I do and all the things I say, even the very things I think. 
that I'd give myself to ushering in the kingdom of God. And we pray all these things in the precious and wonderful and beautiful and special name of Jesus. Amen. Church, will you stand with us as we sing one last song?